Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Book Reviews Kill, an author interview episode where I'm sitting down with H.M. Long, author of Hall of Smoke and Temple of No God. I blew through Hall of Smoke. It was an awesome book, really reminiscent of like Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War, like that kind of northern reaches book with, you know, really cool female main character, pantheon of gods, all that kinds of thing. And I mean, I, I don't think we went into any real spoiler territory here, but we might have touched on it a little bit. So it might just be a good idea to go read the book or, you know, just be ready for like minor, minor spoilers. I always try my very best to at least shout those out, you know, just so that when you're listening, you're not like, oh my God, Evan, how could you, how could you just let someone on here and gush about this book and reveal every, no, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. How are you? How's your day going? I I got called off of work today. They told me I didn't have to come in, and I've gotten so many things done. Woke up, had some coffee, read some Berserk, read some of Desperation, which is a book by Stephen King. It's like my Stephen King book of the month that I'm reading. Cracked into the third Books of Babel book. I'm just on a tear right now. I'm reading some really, really incredible stuff, and I'm getting a lot of work done. It's so nice to just not be at work toiling away at something that I don't really care like that much about. I mean, it's nice to make food for people, I guess. Like that's kind of my job. And I, you know, I make decent a decent living off of it or whatever, but the whole time I'm there, I kind of feel like I'm just I'm just wasting my time and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And you know, I'm I'm so happy to be doing this and just editing this episode was a blast. Recording it was a blast. Uh, Chad and I were up really, really late last night again, <laughs> because that's like all our schedule seems to permit, is starting recording at, I don't know, two in the morning and just going and going and going. Um, but the the episode that we did last night was about Arm of the Sphinx, which is book two in the Books of Babel series. And it was such a great episode, you know? I mean, damn, it, it, it was so much fun because that book... It was so good it made it easy to do the episode and I kind of got the same feeling out of Hall of Smoke for this interview with H.M. Long I got the same feeling with um, interviewing Catherine Arden and interviewing Travis Baldry and having these authors on the show it's so easy to conduct these interviews when first of all uh, they're they're great people they're really cool Hannah was so so nice but the books are great I'm having so much fun reading the books, and it just gives me a lot to talk about with them. So uh, my my nice long ramble over. Uh, I really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Um, to a lesser extent, I enjoyed editing it, but editing is a very long process, but I don't mind doing it. I really appreciate all of you being here and listening. And without further ado, here is my interview with H.M. Long. Actually, there is a little bit of ado. <laughs> There is more ado. Um, just wanted to say real quick, H.M. Uh, Long lives in the middle of rural Canada, and the internet connection was not stellar. It was decent enough for us to conduct the interview, but there are some kind of hissy, beepy, technical, glitchy sounds that you're going to hear in this. And I tried my best to mix them out, but it's really difficult to do that. But I did get a little harshness out of that connection and uh, so if you notice that, it's not your headphones, it's not your connection or anything. It's just that was the nature of recording over Zoom and 
getting that track and putting it into logic and all that stuff. So hopefully the MP3 file kind of like dumbs it all down, which is usually what happens, which is really nice. But anyway, those are all the adus. Without further ado, here is my interview with HM Long. HM Long, welcome to the Book Reviews Kill podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a long time coming because you sent me this book a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I told you I'd get to it, and I did. Well, all our TBRs are really long, so. Oh my God. Yeah, this shelf, yeah, our listeners can't see it behind me, but this entire shelf right here, it's got like 85 books on it, and it's all stuff I need to get to eventually. And I know you've probably got a pretty extensive one. Yeah, the one right behind yeah. you. <laughs> it's dark, so you can't see how many are on my shelf. <laughs> I, th I think one of the things that really... um kind of lit a fire under my ass with this was I was watching I can't remember if it was another interview you did or something and you were talking about the third book coming out and somebody had asked you is this a is this like a continuous series and you said no these are more standalone stories and with that I was like okay cool I can read this one at least I'm gonna yeah. read this book right now and I liked it a lot it's a it's is this your debut yeah. novel Hall of Smoke yeah yeah, Hollis Smoke's wow. my debut. How long did this take you to write? It's very well put together. I, I really enjoyed it. I drafted it in six weeks. Whoa. And then I spent about nine months just editing and going through like phases with beta readers and things like that. And then, of course, there was editing with my publisher once it sold. I was really determined that this was going to be the one that sold because I had queried other books in the past and tried to get them published. Um, but with this one, I kind of just, I felt like it was the one. Um, so I went through multiple rounds, uh, with beta readers, um, to help me perfect it. And then, you know, submitted to an agent, got an agent, well, it was submitted to multiple agents, but goddamn, <laughs> agent. um, and then within, I think it was within, um, like a month or so of some, my agent submitting it to publishers, it sold like, so everything went really, really fast at that point, but I spent the extra time ahead of time uh, doing extra editing and stuff like that. So did you feel pretty confident by the time you were sending it out to agents that it was going to get picked up? Yeah, I kind of had a feeling about it. Like I, I obviously I'd had other projects I created in the past and I did I never felt as confident with them as I did with this one. I felt like there was a market for it, that it was, you know, it was good enough to get out there and I just needed someone to give me a chance. Um, get into a publisher, get with a professional editor and get it perfected. So, And it's with Titan Books, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty solid publisher. I, I was really happy, mm -hmm. really, really happy to get mm -hmm. in with Titan. Like, they're not one of the big five. Um, they're like a large independent press. Um, but I, like, they're so, they're so personal. And I'm actually like, I'm a person, not a number. Um, and it's been a wonderful experience. I, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, like I frequent Powell's a lot here in Portland. And every time I go in there, I see one of your books on the shelf. And it's so cool. Yeah. It's like, ah, I've, I've totally talked with her. That's so cool. It's really, it's really crazy. Yeah, yeah. I bet. Definitely. I mean, it's, um, it's one thing to have something on your computer that you've been working on for so long, but then I can't imagine that feeling of getting the actual physical thing in your hands. And it's got such a beautiful cover. Yeah. Um, I do have, I have a list of questions here, but you know, with mm -hmm. my, my style, uh, we probably won't stick to them, but uh, I've got one here. Hall of Smoke's setting is quite a bit different from your more kind of 
abundant and typical fantasy worlds, I felt like I'd been transported to the cruel, unforgiving northern reaches of a, a well-realized world. Like, what inspired you to write this particular environment? Honestly, so it was two different things. Um, a lot of the environment in Ingen, the world that's there, is just based on my childhood camping up north. Mm -hmm. um, my family would go camping all the time. And it's the Canadian Shield. It's barren rock, pines, lots of lakes. Um, it was I, my favorite parts of my childhood. I loved it. Um, and then at the time that I wrote Hall of Smoke, I was actually living in southern Germany. Um, and from the window of our apartment, I could see the Alps. So that had obviously a huge impact as well. So I took like the all the sensory input from this all these childhood camping trips and things like that. And I live in that area now. I moved up there as soon as I could. Then, of course, with the Alps out the window, the mountains always on the horizon. So that was a factor. And together, they just kind of came together. The world is fleshed out to a really impressive degree, not only the setting that Hessa is navigating, but the rules and expectations of her society. Was it difficult to keep all of this together in your head while you were writing? Like, what was the process like for building this pantheon, like this far-reaching community of people and different cultures and everything? It's There's a lot to it. I don't really premeditate anything. I am very much a discovery writer. So basically, as anything comes onto the page, that's when I was learning it. Um, and then, of course, there during editing, I come back and tuck things into place and make them make sure everything made sense. But um, yeah, everything just developed as I typed, um, pretty much linear front to back. Things pulled themselves together. Um, the, the thing with writing Hall of Smoke was because because I wrote it in such a short period of time, I felt completely immersed. Um, I essentially wrote it like 10 hours a day, every single day for six weeks. Wow. So it was just this full immersion. And I felt like I was reading the story as it came out. So I was experiencing the world with Hessa, learning about the gods, learning about the pantheon and things like that. And then right, right up until about the climax, when I had to tie everything together, um, then I sat back and started to like, take stock of everything I had created and figure out how to weave it together to have a satisfying ending. It was a really, a really satisfying ending, by the way. I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> the ending is my favorite part, like especially the visuals of the final like showdowns. I liked how long it was. It felt like the last like almost 60 pages almost. Yeah. And I, I really like when the ending kind of just goes to like almost the last page, like you kind of did there. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like the ending and then like 30 pages of everything settling back down. Yeah, I get bored with stuff like that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> totally. It's so bored. Yeah. It's really weird when you feel like you've hit a, a climax and then there's still 50 pages left. Yeah, I don't really need I find I don't need that. I'm I'm the reader that skips that and just reads like the final page. I feel like it's like the reading equivalent of um, when you're done eating at a restaurant, you want to pay the bill and leave like immediately. Yeah. Like, okay, fine. You know, we know who lived, we know who died. Let's move on. <laughs> you really put Hessa through a lot in this book, like emotionally, physically, and even spiritually. Uh, did you find it easy to dig into this character, to get on her level and relate, if not specifically to her situation, but to some of the feelings of loss or grief or frustration that she was dealing with for, I mean, really for most of the book. Um, I, I did. I actually, at the time that I was writing Hall of Smoke, 
it, it was a difficult time in my life. I was, um, like I said earlier, we were living in Southern Germany. Uh, my husband had been transferred there for work. So we had an apartment there for six months. I didn't know the language. We had no contacts, no social group. Um, I didn't have a vehicle. So I was basically completely isolated mm -hmm. away from my family, away from my culture, um, navigating a world I didn't quite understand. And that was obviously a very difficult time for me emotionally. I was in a, a dark place. But out of that came Hall of Smoke and several other novels. Right. Yeah. There is like this kind of pervasive feeling of loneliness in the book, even when Hessa's with other people. Like she, it really doesn't mm -hmm. feel at all like she's in the right spot ever. Yeah. I, I like how she's got this goal and she's not only getting sidetracked by other people, but kind of by herself too. <laughs> yeah, she is. She kind of just like decides <laughs> on something. And then mm -hmm. that's what Hessa's doing now. And there were multiple parts in the book where I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure you really need to go do this one thing. But all right, well, we'll just see what happens, I guess, because <laughs> you're kind of yeah. right, <laughs> like writing the rules here, Hessa. It felt like a very emotional, very grounded book. And I really like my some of my favorite kinds of books are, I mean, I like first person a lot, but um, like when you're sticking with one character, it's really nice. I just have always liked those kinds of things. I mean, I like multiple POV books, but mm -hmm. I feel like at least for like a debut book, you know, probably a good call to stick with one character. Do you, do you think that you're going to, and anything else that you're writing, do you think that you're going to switch it, switch it up and use P multiple POVs and things like that? So I have some stuff I can't talk about right now, um, <laughs> you know, edging into waters where contracts are right, binding yeah, me. Totally. Um, but yes. I have an upcoming project that will be multiple points, but well, only two. I went up to two. <laughs> hey, you got to, you know, do yeah. it slowly. You can't go full mm -hmm. George R. R. Martin right out of the gate. No. Oh, goodness. Yeah, especially because of the way I write with the whole discovery writing thing, I've always found it difficult to tackle multi multiple points of view, unless I have a really clear idea of where I'm going. So you didn't outline um, really any of this? No, none of it. I sat down and I wrote the entire first chapter for Hall of Smoke, almost exactly the way it, it is in the current book. I just sat down and wrote it. That's when everything just began. And then I just, you know, the next day started chapter two. I feel like discovery writers are kind of uh, a little more on the rare, rare side than heavy outliners. It's hard to it's hard to stay a discovery writer. That's something I'm learning about publishing now that I'm on contracts and I'm mm -hmm. I'm writing not just for myself, but I'm writing for other people and I'm writing for an editor. I have to have an outline, you know. <laughs> I have yeah. to have something to submit to my publisher to get approval for. Right. Um, so I have in the process of actually in the process of writing Temple of No God, I became kind of more of a hybrid. Like I started outlining and things like that. Um just out of necessity. And I felt like I had to learn how to write books all over again. Um, so it was very challenging. I wrote this book two and a half times. Oh, wow. <laughs> you see that there was, yeah, I had, it was, there was a completely different book that I just deleted. But now I find that I, I have a really good middle ground. Um, and it kind of, if I discovery write or if I lean more on an outline, it really just depends on the project and it depends on how much time I have and how much like creative availability I have. Totally. So. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, yeah. we both frequent uh TikTok. That's uh we both are on that yeah. <laughs> that whole mess of an app quite a bit. I really like your videos <laughs> a lot. You have really great recommendations. Yeah. 
What are some of your favorite books that you've read this year? Oh gosh, can I pull up my Goodreads? <laughs> um, I uh, last month I read Nettle and Bone, which I loved. Oh, is that T. King Kingfisher? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just so funny and dry, and it's you know that that dark fairy tale feeling, um, but also it had with the dry humor and like a demon chicken, and it was it was delightful. It's so good. I I really I highly recommend it. It's it's you know. It, <laughs> out of all the books I read in a year, there's always, you know, a few that I wholeheartedly can recommend to everybody. And mm -hmm. Nettle Bone's one of those. And obviously Hunger of the Gods, but that's on a different level of enjoyment because it was so incredibly painful. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Have you read the Shadow of the Gods and Hunger? It's Bloodsworn trilogy. Bloodsworn, yeah. I haven't read any John Gwynn yet. Um, Chad and I are going to be reading The Faithful and the Fallen here on the podcast. Okay, uh, yeah. But like, it's going to be like next year the ways off yeah it sucks because um i need to get to john gwynn it's just one of those authors that everybody keeps yeah. telling me to read. but i mean look at my like i've got i've got too much i've got i know you've got so <laughs> like, much in the background got, there like what are you supposed much. to do <laughs> and i don't really read like yeah. that fast i really i really don't i mean I, relatively like two books a week is pretty quick but when you've got a hundred books to read in regards to your writing style, your approach to how you're putting all this together, are there any authors that have really inspired you? When I was writing Hollow Smoke, I read the Winter Night books, however many were out at that point. I think it was just two. Um, and I loved how atmospheric they were. And I definitely wanted to have that kind of atmosphere. I read Adrian Young's Sky in the Deep. And I was like, yes, I want a female main character with an axe you know and stuff like that like pulling it in um but as far as like voice and and tone and and the feel of the book I really wanted it to very much be my own mm -hmm. um and I wanted like the pantheon and the gods and everything to be really original like to kind of to feel like they could have come out of our world like in a structure of of religion and things like that would be familiar um, but I, again, I wanted it to be as original as I could get it. Um, I love theology. I love like reading about different world cultures and mythology and stuff like that. Um, and I kind of just, I kind of amalgamated it into, I took all the different elements that I liked. Um, and one, you know, specific element I really, really wanted to have was a culture where a God could show up at your door and come and sit by your hearth and mm -hmm. how people would live when that could happen and how seriously they would take their faith. Like basically like kind of breaking out of our Western sort of concept of religion um, and taking it to something more, more primal and more uh, intimate. And yeah. And, and in regards to the Norse sort of thing, like, well, and I guess Greek in some way, um, like the gods can die. Like you can kill yeah. them. They're, <laughs> you know, right. they're, they're only living as long as, you know, they don't get their heads cut off sort of thing. Um, so there's there's mortality to the gods and the element that that adds as well, because your god can die. Your god can, you can lose your god um, and things like that. And the impact that would have on a people group. Yeah, that would completely shake your whole view of everything. If, if the god that you mm -hmm. were subservient to did die, and then it's like, okay, well... <laughs> what yeah. are we supposed to what do what are we now? gonna do now yeah. <laughs> we gotta find a new god yeah, we gotta find <laughs> a new one 
Do you have a writing schedule? Do, do you have a daily word count that you try to stick to? Are you are you rigorous with it? Are you kind of like, do you watch a whole season of Stranger Things and then and then figure it out later? Or are, <laughs> how strict are you? Um, I generally am really, really strict with myself. I write every single morning from 8 to 12, week, weekday mornings. Um, and then I take my afternoons are off if I'm really, really busy. Um, like if I have a deadline or something coming up, I may write the entire day or edit or whatever I'm doing. Um, but generally I just write for that chunk in the morning and I have my, my afternoons off and I have my weekends off. Um, and I found that that when I switched to that schedule, cause I used to write full time, I'm in a, you know, a good position where I can do that. I was, I'm more productive now than I was then because mm -hmm. I have this set amount of time. So it's, the time of the day when my mind is the freshest, when I'm able to give the most, when I'm the most creative. Um, so I just, you know, I put in my three, four hours in the morning and then I move on. Um, and on average, I'll write about 1500 to 3000 words each morning. Um, and then I just, that that's it for the day. And then I can stop. And I, I'm pretty strict with myself about that. Um, and it's been working pretty well for the last couple of years so at, at at noon do you just close your computer and you're just like wherever you're at you're done like now you're finished writing yeah pretty much um i, I tend not to I, I also to some extent go by just how i'm feeling mentally if i'm starting to get tired and the words aren't coming then i'll just stop you don't push yourself through not really feeling it no and like some days like some mornings i'll just be so crystal clear I'll sit down at eight o'clock. I'll hit my word count by nine thirty, and then the pressure's off. So I may continue, but I might not. Do you ever worry that if you hit your word count too quickly, then it probably wasn't very good? Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't tend to worry about that too much anymore. Totally. Like I just, you know, I just if if the words are there, I can do something with them. Right. is my mentality. And I, I expect to rewrite about 40% of every book that I write. So out of a first draft, I, I expect to rewrite a good portion of it. Um, so I just kind of don't try not to let it bother me and just mark <laughs> it like rewrite later and move on. You do quite a bit of reading in, in addition to the amount that you're writing. I have a question for you as a fellow fantasy fan. Is there anything in the fantasy genre that you would like to see more of? Um, I'd love to see more like badass mother characters, like okay. like Orca from Shadow of the Gods. Like her character is so fantastic, um, and I found it so easy to get involved with her character. Okay, that's spoilers. I can't say that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'd love to see like uh, more books with like female main characters that don't have romantic elements. I would appreciate that a lot. Um, that kind of, I you know, I, I do enjoy romance books every once in a while, but I also like I really appreciate a good fantasy book with no romance subplot. I can just focus on the story, other than a romance. Um, and I, yeah, I would love to see that a bit more and more cozy fantasy. I've, I've just recently like towed the edge of cozy fantasy and I loved it like with Nettle and Bone. Um, and I would, yeah, I'd love to read more of that. So. Like stuff that doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah. 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 Just things that'll give you a little bit of a break, especially when the world is just, you know, ridiculous and imploding and <laughs> yeah. you just need to escape somewhere and yeah. maybe not somewhere where people are dying constantly. <laughs> You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, I think a lot of yeah. people share that sentiment, and you, you know, you can have both. 
it's not like it's not like if if everyone start, suddenly starts writing a bunch of cozy fantasy slice of life type stuff, we're gonna lose all of our grim dark stuff that's been mm. you know, we can keep all of that. It'll keep coming out. Yeah. You you have a lot of fairly short scenes that um kind of add up to like a big deal, if that makes sense. Yeah, they do. And I, I had trouble I remember during editing I had trouble with uh, beta readers following um because originally the book was a lot shorter um i added it was between 20 and 30,000 words during editing um to kind of, to start opening up the book and like giving the reader time to you know digest what's happening and have those moments um initially it was a lot more like uh cut and dry uh faster paced but also like i'm a huge fan of like survival stories <laughs> yeah and like having people survive on a journey i love them that was like you know like my favorite book as a kid was hatchet um right. i forget who it's by so canadian anyway, it was hatchet and <laughs> i absolutely love it yeah it's just the boy surviving in the wild um and that's the whole story um and i love stuff like that so i had like a, a long survival section and then the rest of the book was very like cut and dry so you know editing evened it out and and opened it up and allowed for more of these calmer moments i basically i needed my editor to give me permission to have those calmer moments because i thought the reader would be bored um right so that was nice yeah <laughs> yeah i honestly like my editor is fantastic so you were kind of erring on the side of let's not have anybody be bored ever, you know? And then your editor was yeah. like, all right, <laughs> well, we're not bored, Hannah. So just like, can you make this a world? Yeah. Open this up. Describe this some more. Like, yeah. My first books that I wrote were very like, not long winded, but I love to stop and describe everything you know, a little more, more heavy or heavier on the atmospheric side, meandering. I didn't know plot existed for a long time. <laughs> so <laughs> the, with Hall of Smoke, I, I really went, I pendulumed the other way. And then my editor helped me come back to the middle mm -hmm. and give me permission to, you know, do other things. But then even in like, like Temple of No God differs from Hall of Smoke in a lot of ways, because it, it is more of the cut and dry, um, just because that's what I I felt was most appropriate for this book because um, they're, you know, you're jumping place to place, a lot of cinematic cuts, like just, you know, and then we crash back into the action, crash totally. back into the action, quiet moment, crash back into the action. <laughs> like, yeah. As an author who's been able to get published, uh, put out a few books, do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Anybody that's writing right now that's either trying to get published or trying to get through their first book, anything like that? Um, firstly, write for yourself try to get other people out of your head as much as possible. Uh, write what you enjoy, write the scenes that you enjoy. Don't worry about, you know, the character walking across the room, just write the scenes that are there and present in your head um, and stitch things together later. Do, do what, do whatever you need to do to gain momentum and keep the story going. Um, and as far as just writing what you enjoy, like the reader can, I, I think readers can sense, when you're bored by a scene. If you're bored by a scene, the reader is bored by a scene too. So just skip it, just move on, just move forward. Um, and don't be afraid to delete. I, one of the things that I see a lot of um, beginning authors or writers 
doing is they're clinging to words they're clinging to sentences and they're clinging to pages because they put so much work into the book the thought of deleting 10,000 words or something just guts them completely so i would say don't be afraid to delete because it's you and your skills that are actually valuable it's not book a it's not book b it's not chapter 10 it's you so just cut the slack cut everything that you need to and trust that you'll be able to tell the story in the end. That's really good advice. Do you have any advice for people that have maybe finished a book and they're confident about it? Um, and like what maybe the best course of action would be once you feel like you've got something that you're done with, uh, or as done as you feel like it can be until an editor sees it? Like, what do you think would be the next step after somebody's got a manuscript in their hand and they don't know what to do? I think I think it's pretty safe to say if if you've written your first or second book and you think it's done, it's not. Um, so maybe set it. <laughs> my my advice would be either set it on a shelf for three months and forget about it, and then pick it up again, um, and or um, get some other writers who are at a similar level or a slightly higher level in the journey um, to help you edit your book. Um, with beta reading, get fresh eyes. If, if you've written a book, nobody else has read it and you think it's done, it is most definitely not. <laughs> most definitely, because we get so close to our work. We can't see it anymore. We can't see it clearly. It's like we can't really see ourselves aging when we look in the mirror every day. But somebody else can see these things um, from the outside. So, yeah, that would be my advice is if you think it's done, it's probably not. And I don't say that to discourage anyone. It's just, it's, that's the reality of what it is to be a, a creative and to create something. Um, we don't see it clearly and we need other people to help us. And as clear as we may see our world and our characters and our stories in our heads, we don't necessarily know how to communicate that to another person unless another person is helping us. Um, so like I have, you know, Hessa doing a certain thing. It, I want the character to feel a certain way about, about you know, this twist in the story. Um, but if I haven't learned how to communicate that to a reader, it's just gonna fall flat. Um, so I need the beta readers to help me. Is, is this right. plot twist landing? Do you think this about the story? Um, do you think this about the character? Um, yeah. And sometimes maybe a beta reader would point something out that you didn't even yeah. think about. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I, especially like with my editor with Hollow Smoke, um, he came out with so many observations and things like that, that I had no concept. Um, I did not see it in the book. Some of them were positive, some of them were negative. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it gives you a chance to just start cleaning it up and make it the best that it can be. Can I ask, uh, are there any other genres that you have an interest in writing? Not that, not that you're necessarily working on right now that you can't talk about, but are there any genres that you've thought, oh, like that would be a really cool thing to try to dig into? Yeah, I, I really want to write a space mm -hmm. opera. I have like, yeah. so, but I think I kind of, I, I tried to start writing this particular one a couple years ago and it didn't work like it just didn't show up. I got like six or 7,000 words down and it just wasn't moving. Um, so I shelved it and I think it'll probably be more of like, kind of like, you know, my great work. 
<laughs> I think that's what it'll be. You know, I, I need, I need like a couple years to like, you know, get it all together and uh, piece it out. I think, uh, yeah, I'm very excited about it. I would really love to do that. Um, but I'm, I'm also not a science person. So it'd definitely be like, you know, on the fantasy side and, you know. Have you read Red Rising yes. by Pierce Brown? Love it. I'm yeah. <laughs> I think that's oh. yeah oh my god they're so good they, I think that that's a really good example of I mean Pierce Brown obviously he knows how to write good sci-fi but it's not hard yeah. sci-fi it's it's just it's it feels like a fantasy trilogy that just happens to take place in space it feels very natural it's like natural sci-fi like it just it's like oh this makes sense this is how it is and yeah right and it gets fairly technical sometimes but it's nothing like Sizen Lu or or like Ian Banks or anything like that I mean or those really hard sci-fi like Asimov or Heinlein or whatever yeah Pierce Brown I also am like uh hopelessly attracted to Pierce Brown I want to <laughs> I want to like drink whiskey with yeah. him and like stay up all night with him you know uh I think a lot of people yeah. are like, <laughs> um I really want to I want to like get him on the podcast and that would be incredible <laughs> but I feel like I wouldn't be able to air it I'd be like hey um I don't know how what your life is like right now Pierce but uh we should meet up and have dinner and kind of just hang <laughs> for like the whole night <laughs> like kind of see what happens maybe uh but yeah I think um <clears throat> I think like yeah Pierce Brown is like a really good example of you know sci-fi that it just breaks a lot of rules it doesn't have to to be this really technical you know like how how the the trajection systems mm -hmm. and the spaceship works and all of this stuff it can just be set there so i i really i think you i think you've got the chops for a really good space opera I, I would read that for i sure. i'm very excited about elements of the book um a lot of it a lot of it is coming together like in my mind um but i've yet to start typing so do you think that you would ever try writing uh, horror i don't know that i could stomach writing horror um i i don't know i cry very easily i think i get like <laughs> i get too invested in like a character's emotional state um I, I think it would unsettle me too much um but i would definitely consider um incorporating more horror elements into um whatever else i'm working on um because i do think like totally you know very strategically placed horror elements are very powerful um in any kind of book mm -hmm. so yeah it's something I'd, I'd like to learn how to utilize but i think i think about that with um many different genres like as well as like thrillers and things like that i love to take elements of thrillers and elements of uh, horror and elements of sci-fi and all these different things um and kind of cross genres with them so i love it when authors do that i like the mashups and yeah i always thought it'd be cool to take like a um like a fantasy setting um and make it into like a dan brown kind of book <laughs> where it's just like from the second this thing starts it's just it doesn't yeah. stop at all um because i mean say what you want about dan brown but like damn that guy can really write a book that you can't mm -hmm. put down but i always thought it'd be cool to take um like a james bond type character mm -hmm. 
and just kind of like put him through his paces but in a fantasy that setting sounds fantastic um like that, that sounds like right like a, he's like a spy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that sounds great and then you could just serialize it. oh yeah yeah like you could i mean look what ian fleming did yeah ian fleming wrote like 30 of those things and oh, maybe not 30 oh maybe 30 i, I yeah. don't know how authors do that um, write so much in one world I, that is that is a skill I and i don't think i have it i'm way too scattered <laughs> writing four books in the hollow smoke world is like my cap doesn't mean i wouldn't come back to it one day if i if i had the opportunity but there's so much more to explore i mean like mm -hmm. i remember listen i was listening to an interview with robin hobb she was being interviewed when i think she was in her 50s or something and she said if i'm on form it takes me about a year to write a whole book you know she said i'm like 55 and if i live till i'm 75 that's only 20 books and that's uh, if i'm crushing it mm -hmm. like that's if i'm on it so it really put a lot in perspective for you know, even like really prolific authors, even people that are really good at churning stuff out, there is kind of a yeah. cap. There's a limit there. Oh, you know, you can't put out 500 books. Moment. So I know it sounds, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, bear with me, bear with me. Uh, it's like, it sounds really depressing, but it's like, <laughs> but it, it is like, it's a good, it's almost like this really good motivation to kind of do what you, you had advised our listeners and your readers to do and other writers to do. It's like, write what mm. you want you know like don't 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 try to just don't chase the dollar don't chase what you think everyone else is gonna like because i mean even if everything goes really good you can write what 30 or 40 of these things and it, it sounds like a lot of books but when you really kind of consider like the grand scope of everything you could ever imagine yeah it's like not that many books you know but there is like part of me that's just like what if i just wrote like you know, like 50 little novellas and just sold them for like $4 a pop, hey, you know, you know <laughs> just had that like... could be successful. <laughs> okay. I want to ask, I want to ask, uh, this is, we're going to wrap up soon, but I want to ask this without, um, I hope this doesn't offend you and you like close out of the meeting. Immediately. <laughs> okay, but, this is, um... is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Hessa had black hair in the book, um, but I couldn't help it. I pictured her as the main um, character in Horizon Zero Dawn, ah, Aloy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I was like in my head the whole time I was reading it. So I, I don't, I do not envision characters when I write ever. Yeah. I don't see characters <laughs> in my head. Um, one of the things my editor had me doing on the very last pass before Hollow Smoke went to print was adding things like clothing because I never described it. <laughs> so I don't really uh, see my characters very, very clearly. But when I saw like the trailer for Horizon Zero Dawn, I remember looking at it and going, oh, that kind of reminds me of Hessa. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Same, uh, similar temperament mm -hmm. too. I think so. You know, that kind of like, that kind of like doesn't want to be alone but is kind of alone and yeah. kind of operates pretty well alone mm -hmm. but is not super stoked about it either yeah like that's a that's a cool dynamic <clears throat> and obviously the um the setting is pretty similar yeah it felt like it um mm -hmm. it kind of also reminded me of uh god of war the yeah. 2018 ps4 game mm -hmm. um and it's funny because like i when i'm making comparisons like this it's not like I'm saying you ripped it off or anything like that. Oh, I, I, I don't, don't interpret it that way. <laughs> <Sorry>. that. Cool. <laughs> cool. 
cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, um, the reason that it felt like God of War a little bit is because in that game, you do have these gods that are, you know, they have their own kind of goals. They don't really seem to care much about humans as far as having any kind of compassion <laughs> in the slightest yeah. for them. Uh, where, you know, people are being used for the gods' own means. Yeah, I think you did a really good job with the gods in the sense that it's almost like they have their own world and the human world is just like this means to an end, mm -hmm. which is, oh, it sucks. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> like to, to living and operating under like, okay, so like I pray to these gods and then everything's cool. And then you kind of like, did you read His Dark Materials by Philip Pullman? I, I read them the, uh, a the Golden long Compass. time ago. There, I don't I won't, I won't spoil it for our listeners, but like there's just like this moment in those books where like kind of reality just kind of cracks a little bit and I think I know what you're, moment it's you're just talking like about. Yeah, like yeah. everything that you thought you believed in is just not quite and I think you executed that so well. I mean, like Thank Hessa's you. um like response and ev everybody's response to that. Was the climax of this book difficult for you? Um, I had to rewrite it like four or five times completely um, to nail the right, the right tone and sequence of events. Like yeah. it was, it was, it was difficult to have everything feel natural and to get the right responses out of the characters and the right combination of things that were happening. It was definitely quite tricky and um, it's, it's funny because the way, the way the climax is now is actually my original, original idea that I never wrote um, because I thought it was too much. Oh. And then, you know, I was working <laughs> through it with my editor and we had come up with a, a, not a problem, but an addition to the story. And as a repercussion of that addition, it was changing elements that were at play. And I was like, hey, I have this idea that was actually my original idea for the climax, but I never wrote it because I didn't think it would work should I go for it? And we went for it and yeah, it is what it is now. <laughs> so man, what did that feel like when you had done so many rewrites and then it was the original one the whole time? It, I, I felt kind of dumb. Um, but at the same time oh. it felt, it was very satisfying, uh, because it was the way I wanted it to be. And then I was just really happy with it in the end. I was really proud of, of the climax, the way everything came together, um, the emotional like beats that were hit um, and things like that. Yeah, I, I mean, by the time Hollow Smoke went to print, I was just so done with it. <laughs> like, like <laughs> there's there's a lot more typos in Hollow Smoke than there is in Temple of No God. And the reason is because I couldn't look at Hollow Smoke anymore. <laughs> in Temple, I took the time to do like more, more in-depth final passes and things like that. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Mint chocolate chip. No hesitation. Mint chocolate chip. Hands No down. hesitation. I didn't even edit that. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you knew when I started asking the question. <laughs> well, what's your favorite flavor? And then my brain just goes mint chocolate chip. It's got to be, especially with like extra large chunks of chocolate, like not the measly little flakes, like we're talking like the real chunks. Yeah, the flakes are ridiculous. I, they're people. so disappointing. I, I did not throw pay the for whole damn carton out. 
that is going to wrap it up for us today here on Book Reviews Kill. This has been an awesome interview with H.M. Long, a new writer friend of the show. Hannah, I really appreciate you being on here, and I would love to have you back on at some time in the future, probably, hopefully, to promote the third book in the Hall of Smoke Quartet. Is that what we'll call it? It's going to be four books, yeah. Is, am I allowed to tell people it's four books? I don't know. What oh, I'm yeah. No, absolutely. It, <laughs> okay, it, cool. It's just that, like, the last, you know, the last two particularly are very much like standalone separate stories. But there is a continuing through line. Cool. Well, it's been a blast having you on here. I really appreciate it. And uh, everybody listening, thank you so much. Go buy everything that H.M. Long has done on on Amazon or wherever fine books are, are sold. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course.